<laughs> it's recording. We're, we're recording. Yay. I'm like, these, I love technical difficulties when they happen. Thank you so much for listening. Um, my name is Renee Rebar. I am your host today with a brand new interview series, Choices. And I am going to bring to you amazing women who have made incredible choices for their business, for their family, for their community in so many ways that make such a positive impact. And today I get to bring you Roshonda Pratt. So excited to be here. I am so excited to have you on the show. So for those of you who don't know Ro, you got to know. So make sure you click the links because she is a woman to know. I have had the pleasure of knowing her for a few years now. We've connected in the interwebs um, and I can't wait one day to meet you in person. Same here. Same here. So I talk yeah. about social media. Social media families are real friends are real. They are real. I have met lots of people in real life eventually. And I, I'm saying to myself, we've met before, right? Like in right. person. And we're like, no, we actually haven't, but it is, it's for real. Yeah. So I brought you on the show because you've made such amazing choices, but I, before I get started on that, I would love to, to have you share with the audience some of the backstory before they see the woman that they see today. Yeah. The backstory. So um, picture it. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, it's not there. <laughs> Picture it, 1977, Saginaw, Michigan, um, General Hospital is where I was born. But the backstory of how I got here really goes back to fourth grade. Um, in the fourth grade, my parents, my mom and dad are from Trinidad and Tobago. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was in the fourth grade, my dad would make me watch the news. And he told me as an American citizen, it was my responsibility and duty to know what was going on in my country and my community. So my friends are watching, you know, the Smurfs and Rainbow Bright. If you don't know any of those things, just Google it. And here I am watching Walter Cronkite, Peter Jennings, Tom Brokaw, because, you know, there was no women really on the news back then. Right. In the main there, right? Yeah. And I became fascinated with storytelling and fascinated on just current events and what was going on in the community. And fast forward to senior year in college, I got my first real paying TV job and uh, working behind the scenes as a TV news producer. And I worked in television for 20 years. Any story you can think of of the last 20 years, I've had the great pleasure of helping to write history. And from writing those, I realized that stories are the ways that we connect to people. Stories are the way that we give others permission. And so transitioning out of the field of being a journalist, but I always tell people, I think once you're a journalist, you're always a journalist. And really transitioning into being a storyteller and live stream strategist and helping people to be seen, heard, and paid through the power of their story and the power of media. And it has been an amazing journey of self-discovery for myself, an amazing journey of seeing people say yes to the mess in their message. And that brings me to your t-shirt. <laughs> Please tell us about this beautiful t-shirt you have on. So the messenger, I believe that I'm called to raise up messengers, the next thought leaders, the next people who are the world changers, game changers. And for a lot of us, our story doesn't have a happy ending. For a lot of us, it has not been a fairy tale. It's been more so a nightmare. And I have people really understand that in order to be a messenger or to have a message, the first four letters contain mess, M-E-S-S. -S. So you have to embrace the mess in your message in order for it to truly have impact. And what am I saying by that? You come from a healed place of speaking. You know, I tell people, 
as a messenger now, as a storyteller strategist, Renee, I remember how I worked in TV for many years, but didn't understand the power of my own voice. And I had to go through a journey of finding my voice again. And if I could be really honest and transparent in this moment, I go back to being silenced as a kid. You know, um, I'm a survivor of sexual assault. And so what does the predator tell you to do? Not to say anything. This is our secret. And so I didn't take um, really joy or strength in the power of my own story or my voice until one day I'm sitting here listening to the news as a producer. I'm in the producer booth and I'm watching our main anchor whose father is the first African-American mayor of Charlotte, North Carolina. I mean, this lady has great family history. They brought her back from Chicago to Charlotte and she's reading my story. She's reading my words on TV. And in that moment, I said to myself, if Sonia could read my words on TV, this is my script. She read it beforehand, made sure she was comfortable with the verbiage. But those essentially are my words. And she's reading it for thousands upon thousands of people. Why do I not have power or comfort in my own words? And that day is when I started the journey of healing and the journey of finding my voice again. Mm. And ever since I found it, I have been on a mission of helping others find theirs. And I've been on a mission of protecting my voice and discovering I no longer have the right to remain silent. And neither Oh, do- I love it. I love it. Yes. So many people feel like, well, my story, I, I, no one wants to hear my story or my right. story, people have said it before, or people already know my story, or it won't matter. Even if I tell my story, who am I to tell my story? Yeah. And so being that this is about choices. And so people, the women that are listening to this are possibly at a crossroads deciding, should I tell my story? Right. How does it impact my community, my, the nonprofit work that they do? the profit work that they do. So whether they're a business owner or a nonprofit leader or a community leader or a church leader or just a family leader, right? And I say just, that's important work. Right. Uh, We build from within. So if they're at that crossroads deciding if they should choose to share a part of their story that might feel like it's too messy, what Mm. what is some advice or that you could give them at that point? I think one thing we have to realize first and foremost is there's value in your story. And you have to realize that you're placed here in this earth, in this thing of, because you survived some things. You, 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 you have some scars and some battle wounds and some things that you survived. And I think it's our debt to society is payable by what we do for others. So I take it as my personal mission to help women, especially survivors of of assault, to embrace the fact of their voice and their story. I take that as my personal assignment. So it's like, okay, this is my personal assignment that I've survived some things. I have to turn back to the woman behind me and help her understand that, sis, I went through that too, but here's how you can get through that. Stories give permission. So give yourself permission to say that this story is valuable. There's value in my story. Number two, the tough and difficult things. One of the things I tell people all the time, even when it comes to me speaking about my sexual assault, very openly, I've done it on Facebook Live, I've done it on stages, is I give dignity to those who did not give dignity to me. 
What does that look like? I'm never naming my accuser or my perpetrator. I'm never um, going into extensive details that can identify who that person is. But I am going to say the fact of this happened to me and this was not okay. Okay. And then number three, we have to speak from a healed place. I never ask people to talk about a part of their story that's uncomfortable. Matter of fact, here's a little homework assignment. I would encourage you to do what I like to call a story assessment. Really simple. You probably did it when you were dating a guy trying to figure out the pros and cons. Should you stay with him, right? You put a line down the middle of the paper and you write the story that you're willing to share and what is off limits. I'm not healed from this yet. This is tough to talk about. This triggers something in me, okay? But this is what I'm okay with talking about. And then we look at that and say, okay, now how does this story connect to the people that I'm called to serve and impact? Story assessment. And you stay right there in that lane. You don't have people veer you off over here. You stay right where you feel comfortable. It feels safe to you. And you feel like, okay, I'm healed in this area. I can talk about this. And that's the way I think we start the process and the journey of embracing the mess in our message. I love it. That is some advice that I was given early on. I I don't know if we know this about each other. I was also, I studied journalism. I was an English major, totally on that track. And instead of the TV room, I went to the sales room and it was just the, the love of sharing stories and connecting with people, but in a different way. We have, this is why I love the interwebs. You always find who what we have in common. I, I did not know that. Wow. I love it. So you're right about sharing that story. So the story, what I, the advice I was given and tell me if, if you agree with this is don't share it while it's still happening to you. Mm. Share it, like you said, once you're healed from it. So, so document it while it's happening, maybe in a di- so diary or a journal, but then once you've come through it, then you can look back, like you said, and Hey, I can help you. Yeah, yeah. Because I, what I'm learning, and I discovered this 2019 going into 2020, and um, we're working on a documentary right now, and I'm still can't give all the details about it, but it's phenomenal. But it happened because I said yes to a part of my story. Ready for this? That I didn't want to tell. Ooh. And I was the one, you know, I'm the teacher of transparency is a new currency. You got to be vulnerable. And I was challenged by this because of what I saw was going on in my community around me. Mm-hmm. And it's the story of grandparents raising grandchildren. And it's my parents' story that they've done for many years. Mm. and I was very much struggling with that a little bit and there's still more details to come with that but I realized that me being silent doesn't give a voice to the people who may not even understand or here's the thing don't even have the platform that you have right I believe that influence is supposed to be used for the greater good not to get free lipsticks and go and be invited to the nice parties I mean okay that's nice right But I think influence is really supposed to be used just for that, to influence a culture, to influence change, right? To influence different choices. And I realized by me being silent with the platform that I had, I wasn't allowing people who who maybe were never given a voice an opportunity to speak. And that's when I said, this is not about me. This is about them. Totally. Now, speaking of platforms, nowadays, and, you know, thinking back to 20 years ago, like, yeah, you know, I was born in the 70s also, 1972, right? Like, it started in a small town in New York, like, yes. I love, you know, Michigan, 77. So how far are we going to go back? But, like, we didn't have iPhones. Like, we were adults, right? Yeah. And now, 
these things are like within arm's reach of us yeah. mostly all the time. Mm-hmm. So in an iPhone is basically a production studio. I mean, it it's is. almost, they could, what do they, they say? They launched the moon with less tech than we have in our pockets now, right? Right, right. So with everyone having access to a production studio in their pocket, what mm-hmm. are some choices they should make about when to share? Yeah, I think first and foremost, we have to be very intentional about how we use this device. Yes. And that goes back to understanding the purpose of a thing, because if you don't understand the purpose, you abuse it. And we've seen that on social media, people who abuse the platform. Like you just, I mean, I've seen someone share a story that I sat there and watched and I said, she's not ready for this. She should have never shared this story because she was going through it. It's okay, you know, to cry. I mean, we're human, but she was going through the very raw emotion of this. And I just said, this is not a place that we should have been a part of. So it's very intent, being very intentional early on and saying, how am I going to utilize this platform or this video production studio in my hand? And then it goes back to taking on the responsibility that every time I post on social media, Renee, I consider myself back in the newsroom. Mm -hmm. So what is my responsibility with the information and the content that I'm sharing? Is this um, gonna damage people? Am I, I'm sharing something that's gonna educate, inform, empower, entertain? What are my reasons for doing this? This content that I'm gonna share and the responsibility that I'm putting my name on this. And then it's doing your due diligence in doing some research and how you put that content together. Um, I think so many people are so quick to hit this go live button and they haven't even prepared themselves on what is the content I'm going to share here? What do I want the end result to be? And I'm not just even talking about sales. What are the actions that I want people to take? Because you have it, you're just going doing it, but there's, you're being haphazard in how you're using it. I hope that answers your question. It does. Thank you very much. And I ho- again, I know that these listeners are going to fall in love with you and say, oh my goodness, I need to hear more from her. So I'm so glad that we're going to be put you, putting your links out around this. So one other question. Mm-hmm. Choices around, should I, should I share a story inside of my employment? So maybe I'm a leader inside of, a, of a, an existing company and I am an employee or you know, a CEO or CFO mm-hmm. or some other leadership role. Should I share it personally? as my own personal story? Or is there some other middle ground that we haven't addressed? I think when it comes to sharing stories, it has to go back to what is the end result of sharing that story. So I'm going to give you two examples. Um, There was a time I was a board member for a nonprofit that worked strictly in two rural communities here in South Carolina when it came to children who are victims of sexual assault. We were before our local law enforcement who were debating listen to this, if they should still fund this cause. Now, we can go through article after article after article, especially in one community, to show you there wasn't a week that wouldn't go by that some child was a victim of assault in some kind of way, right? Family member, someone in the community, et cetera. And we were sitting there and we're telling the story because, you know, stories tell, you know, stories sell, facts tell. And we're telling the story. And immediately I just said, you know what, this is this not getting through. So I told the law enforcement officer my story. I said, you're looking at a woman who's a survivor of sexual assault, who was molested as a child. Here's what you need to understand. When I was growing up in the 70s and 80s, there wasn't a center like this where my parents could take me to go get 
free counseling and walk me through the steps on how to persecute my predator. It wasn't available. Right. Now, fast forward to several you know, decades later, if we don't fund this, you're going to meet more people like Rashonda mm-hmm. who don't know where to go. Right. Silence in the room. That was a time that the story needed to be told. Yep. Now, fast forward to working in television. We were talking about um, these sexual assaults that were happening in our community. Yep. And one of our reporters did something that I found to be very egregious to a victim of sexual assault. Um, actually, no, correction. It wasn't one of our reporters. It was a report at another station that identified this victim. And to a way, talked to this victim after being assaulted. Mm-hmm. I called the TV station about this and had a talk with the news director who said, well, she told us she was okay with being identified. I said, like, yeah, she told you that because she's running off on adrenaline. What happens to her three months from now when she realizes I just put all my business out on front street and now, so I'm having this conversation and educating this news director about how inappropriate that was and how we just further, not my station, but we as journalists further victimized this person. Yeah. He understood. But in that moment to make it clear, I had to let him know you're talking to a survivor. And this is why this is important. There are times that I feel in our settings that we have to put our story there to now take away from it just being a pie in the sky thing, or it's just a statistic, one in three women. And you have to sit there and let people know I'm the one in three. Yep. I'm the person who's experienced this. And I'm talking from experience to let you know that this is not how you handle this. Right. I mean, I've had conversations with churches where, you know, we always like to go greet our neighbor, especially if you're in the South. Honey, we're going to greet your neighbor. We're going to hug your neighbor. You're going to talk to your neighbor. You're going to high five your neighbor. You're going to take your neighbor out to lunch after church. It's always talk to your neighbor. Right. This is especially in the South. I don't know what happens in the North, but this is what happens in the South. It's like, oh, my goodness, my neighbor's tired of seeing me. Right. But I had to explain this to churches one time doing a training that, you know, your neighbor may not want to hug you. Right. Because it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And we have to be okay with understanding somebody's story. We live in a culture, Renee, of where we judge people without understanding their story. Why is she standoffish like that? Why does she not like to hug and touch? Why? But you're forcing yourself on this person, not realizing we may be further victimizing somebody because that's your choice, but you're taking over their choice. Yep. And I want us as a culture just to take the time before we share, before we judge someone and just take the time to say, wait a second, what is their story? Yeah. Before I decide that I know their story. I know I went a long way there to go there to say that. that, But I think that's so important. It is. It's so important. We, I say this all the time, even with sales and it's so congruent is we can't, we oftentimes impress our own experiences upon others and we mm-hmm. can't possibly know everything that's happened or ha- is happening within yeah. their mind and, or their, their, their history. And so to be able to give them some grace and allow them some space to tell a story and to share it, to drive a point home for them so that right. we get in better understanding is so vital. Yes. I love the examples you gave about when you shared your story, both publicly and privately, to make that point even more clear. So yes. it sounds to me like it's important to know that story 
well enough, succinct enough, so that we can use it when it's necessary right. without yeah. blasting it all the time, without it exactly. being that, but the only badge we ever wear. Right. You don't have to go through the hurt all the time. And right. it doesn't have to be, I'm going into extensive details about my assault or extensive right. details about, you know, growing up in a dysfunctional family or going through um, low self-esteem. I don't have to go through all of the steps and open up the old wound again. Right. Which right? I think what most people are afraid of. They're afraid yeah. if I tell the story, I will open up the old wound again. And you don't have to do that. I can say, listen, I know what it's like to have low self-esteem. There's a story. <laughs> when I was a kid, I struggled with that. And then you move on to your talking points, right? You can just frame it in such a way that it's an illustration to connect with people and say, hey, I know you because I've been you without having to go back into opening up the wound again. You don't have to do that. Agreed. I love it. I think you've really, really given us some good things to identify and also share about ourselves within the framework that you have utilized and leveraged so well throughout your life and, and so much the impact that you have on others, your community, your, your, your business with your professional world and also your personal community. So I just, I'm Thank so you. thankful that you were coming on the show today. Thank you. Um, it's an honor to be here and I loved meeting you via the interwebs and I'm looking forward to where we actually get to embrace and see each other face to face. Yes, I agree. And so for those of you who have fallen in love with, with Roe, like I said you would, we'll make sure to drop the link above. And so just to have it on audio, Roe, please tell us the best place to find you. Sure. So I'm all across all social media platforms, Facebook, Periscope, Instagram, as The Roe Show Live, T-H-E-R-O-S-H-O-L-I-V-E. I love it. And there's no W in there. No W. <laughs> I made that mistake. That's why I wanted to say it out loud. So we have that audio as well for those of for those who are just going to listen and not necessarily see the video or the text right away. Thank you so much again for coming on and thank you all for listening. And I know this will make a difference. Take action now.